Good evening. Good evening, church family. Thank you for being here tonight. And we are turning to the book of Acts, chapter number 9. And uh, I really brought the pictures for the kids, you see, because there's no children's church tonight. But adults enjoy pictures too, don't they? So we'll show a few that I think will be helpful for tonight's message in Acts chapter number 9. And as you probably expected, there is a missions uh, theme to go along with the message. But uh, don't, be, don't be confused when you look at the verses we are beginning with. Acts chapter number 9, verses 22 to 25. Acts chapter number 9, verses 22 to 25. Follow along with me as I read. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, we thank you that every word is inspired and it is God-breathed. And Lord, we thank you for the book of Acts that, uh, Lord, revealed to us how you worked uh, in the days of the apostles. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the lessons we can learn tonight from your word. And we pray that you would quicken us and, and uh, Lord, Help us to stay attentive to your word and help us to allow your Holy Spirit once again to have his way with us so that we may, Lord, give you glory through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, before we show any slides, um, I'd just like to share a short story of an account from William Carey's life. As you know, William Carey was... Uh, a missionary who went to India, and he's often called the father of modern missions. And while he was raising funds in England, he told people this. He said, I feel like there is a man drowning at the bottom of a well and calling out for help. And he said, I'm willing to go down into the well to save the man if only I had some people to hold the rope for me while I go down. And that was his illustration, that was his little story. And uh, he went from church to church, sharing that burden uh, with others. And thankfully, there were several men who volunteered to help him in his work, raising funds, praying for him, so that he could go and do the part that God had called him to do. Now, the way that we do missions today has changed since William Carey's day. But one thing that hasn't changed is... Either we are going down into the well or we are up top holding the rope. And the Bible tells us about the reality and the need of the goers and the senders. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, for example, for how shall they hear without a preacher? And then the next verse, how shall they preach except they be sent? So there's a good example of the goers 
and the senders. Now, if you remember anything about the message tonight, remember this. The goers and the senders are on the same team. Missions work is teamwork. And I dare say the young Christian, the Apostle Paul, uh, knew that perhaps in a greater way during his early Christian life, right here where we read of his dramatic escape from the city of Damascus. The Bible tells us that uh, uh, we, we read of here that uh, Paul had to escape the city and a group of disciples came to his rescue and they lowered him to the ground in a basket. They literally held the rope, didn't they? Well, if you read the Bible like me, you probably read this account and it's thrilling and exciting to see how narrowly Paul escaped with his life. But so often we miss another group of people, don't we? And who are they? The ones who are holding the rope. Isn't that right? These rope holders. So tonight, for the next few minutes, we are going to focus on the importance of the rope holders. And the question for us is, who will hold the missionary rope? Who will hold the missionary rope? Thank you, brother. You can put up the picture. And uh, that should help give a visual to the message tonight. Who will hold the missionary rope? Holding the missionary rope, Acts chapter 9. And we're going to spend most of our time right here. Well, one thing that ought to encourage us as we think about this event in the scriptures and what happened and what God did through the life of the Apostle Paul and as we think about our part in supporting missions, first of all, I'd like to excite you with this truth that holding the rope is an investment in eternity. Holding the rope is an investment in eternity. Now, here's a question. How well do you think these disciples knew the Apostle Paul? Here's another question. How well do you think they knew of all that God would do through his ministry to come? I dare say they didn't know much, did they? We know that Paul was a bold preacher and they knew that too. In fact, he was so bold in preaching the gospel. The Bible tells us in verse 22 that he confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus. He was so clear with the Old Testament scriptures that the Jews couldn't answer the preaching of Paul. They couldn't give an answer to what he was saying because what he was saying was true. They were confounded and he was so bold that they wanted to put him to death. But they probably had no idea how greatly God would use the Apostle Paul. But there was one man who knew a little something, didn't he? Have a look in Acts chapter number 9, verse number 15. Now you remember Ananias was a disciple and God told Ananias to receive Saul of Tarsus, who was now a believer in the Lord, verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, there's the subject of persecution once again. We talked about that this morning. But notice in verse 15, would you agree that God had a plan for the Apostle Paul? He would be the first missionary to where? To the Gentiles. He would take the gospel into Europe. He would take the gospel into the uttermost part of the earth, if you will. And God had a plan 
for Paul. He would be a chosen vessel. He would preach the gospel before Jewish kings, as we read in the book of Acts, before Roman emperors. He even took the gospel into Caesar's own household and souls were saved. And the Bible tells us it's because of missionaries like the Apostle Paul that the gospel spread throughout the known world and even came to Australia because of Saul, the Apostle Paul, preaching the gospel and going to do what God had called him to do. Now, we don't know how many, but I dare say untold numbers of souls have been saved because of his ministry for the gospel. Now, back to our disciples. They didn't know what that well who he was. And I dare say that in helping him that night, they did not know the investment they were, they were making in eternity. But would you agree one day they did know? You see, these disciples are no longer with us. They are now in heaven. And we know for a fact that the that there was a time when they entered those heavenly shores, when they entered eternity, and that which is, was unknown suddenly became known. And I dare say they were jumping for joy that night for the fact that that night they got to help one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived escape the city of Damascus so that he could go on to do what God had called him to do. And they were the ones on that night that made an investment that impacted eternity. And my friends, here's my point. Holding the rope is an investment in eternity. And I think that's the next slide. Holding the rope is an investment in eternity. Philippians chapter 4. Let's have a look what God says about this truth in the book of Philippians chapter number 4. Now remember, as Paul was writing to these believers, they were... Christians that loved missions, they loved Paul, they gave to his needs and the needs of others. And he says in chapter 4 and verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound, notice this, to your account. All right, now look up here tonight. Very simply, these believers gave to Paul. And Paul was saying, the greatest desire I have is not what you have given me. I desire something much greater for you. You see, as they gave to help Paul and helped him on his way, and as souls were saved and Christians discipled and churches were planted and more churches reproduced, Paul made these believers aware of the fact that as they gave, they partnered with him. Therefore, the fruit he experienced in his ministry was fruit that abounded to whose account? To theirs. Isn't that unbelievable? To the givers, to the prayers, to the senders, the ones holding the missionary rope, if you will, would have fruit that would abound to your account. They were making an investment in eternity. And Paul didn't want them to miss that. That is what he desired for them. And you see, one day Christians will be rewarded for holding the missionary rope. The Bible says we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And every one of us will have to give an account. Well, there's the word. The word account. And the Bible tells us we are to lay up treasures, not on this earth, but in our heavenly bank account, if you will. And one way we can do that is to hold the rope 
for missionaries. You know, missions can become very cold and very distant at times. Oftentimes, that's just part of the package. You know, we don't really know our missionaries that well because not all of them have the privilege of visiting twice, as we have had. Some of them have never had the opportunity to visit your church before. Isn't that true? And so how well can you really get to know them? There's the natural distance between the church and the missionaries they support. Then they write letters and there are pictures of people there that you've never met before. They've got names on the letters uh, that you can't, you can't even pronounce. And the missionary seems to be having more and more children that you try to remember their names of. And, you know, there is that natural distance between you and the missionary. You may not know the full picture of what's happening on the field. You hear of things happening sometimes, sometimes you don't. And you hear of things happening and you feel so distant from them. Yet, let me encourage you, church family, don't let that distance or that area of the unknown stop you from being excited about holding the missionary rope. Because it is an investment in eternity. And if you are faithful as a church, guess what? One day there will be fruit that will abound to your account. One day you will see the fruit of your holding the rope, if you will. And I dare say, like these disciples, you will step into eternity rejoicing for what you had a hand in as a local New Testament church. Christian, holding the rope is an investment. And that ought to excite you. That ought to thrill your soul. That God will use you to partner with missionaries. What a joy it was to hear of what pastor said this morning. I won't repeat it uh, live. But what a joy it was to hear of God's work in, on a mission field and all that God is accomplishing. Did you know that as you pray and as you give, you are holding the rope for that missionary? Amen? Wow. By faith, we know that God will use them. If God has called them, God will use them. And we ought not to wonder what's happening on the field we ought not to let that distance stop us. We ought to be excited in 2021 and say, Lord, how can I hold on in a greater way? How can I make a difference in a greater way? And we're going to learn about that more this evening. Holding the rope is an investment in eternity. And it certainly was for these disciples that night. Secondly, notice as we turn back to Acts chapter 9, holding the rope is also our Christian duty and you can put up the next slide thank you brother holding the rope is our christian duty yes it is a privilege because we can invest in eternity by partnering with missionaries but secondly and more importantly holding the rope is nothing less than our christian duty look at verse 25 then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket well, we understand the city of Damascus that was in uh, above Judea and Syria was surrounded, as all ancient cities were, with very high walls. Obviously, they had high walls to protect them from their enemies. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul recounts this event, gives a little bit more detail, and he said that he was let down, not off the top of the wall, but as you can see in the picture, down through a window in the wall in a basket probably the basket was used to carry fish or bread we don't exactly know but that may give an in, uh, indication that the apostle paul wasn't a very large man 
And so they lowered him down in a basket, and that is how he escaped. Now, here's a question. Considering the city walls, considering the options, could Paul get out of the city on his own? Yes or no? No, he couldn't. Now, what was the problem with going through one of the main city gates? Wouldn't that have been the easier way, especially at night time? What was the problem with that? It was guarded, wasn't it? You've noticed that, haven't you? In, uh, in verse number 24, they watched the gates day and night to kill him. By the way, that's the Jews. In 2 Corinthians 11, the Bible tells us that uh, the governor of Damascus was also on the hunt for the Apostle Paul. And he had a garrison of soldiers after him. So the Jews were after him. The Roman government was after him as well. And what, was, what is so encouraging to us this evening, that these disciples realized that it was their Christian duty to help Paul escape that night. Isn't that wonderful? So they came up with a plan. And as a result, Paul escaped. Is that right? And he went on to do all that God had called him to do. Now, let me paint a picture for you this evening of something that didn't happen, but could have been possible. What if the disciples that night were not as committed as they should be? What if they said to themselves, look, Paul is a wanted man. And we don't want to get ourselves into trouble either. And you know what? He probably shouldn't have preached that boldly. That's why he's in trouble after all. Maybe he was a bit too uh, outgoing with the gospel, as some might accuse you of. Anyway, what if they said, okay, let's come up with a plan. Let's put our heads together and let's make up a way of escape for Paul where we don't need to get involved that much. What if they got a scroll of papyrus and they drew down a little map, an escape plan on that sheet? And what if they said, all right, Paul, follow these instructions. Take a left turn and a right turn and go down those stairs. Come up the next stairs. Follow the, the wall with the one brick poking out. And once you get down this, this corridor and follow the instructions carefully, you'll arrive at a window in the wall. Now, Paul, when you look out the window, don't be scared. We know that it's a high drop. But Brother Paul... They may have patted him on the back. Brother Paul, we want you to know that we're behind you 100%. Amen? And we believe, Brother Paul, that God is going to do great things through you. He has a plan for your life. And we're excited for you. So just as you get to that window, don't look down. Take a leap of faith. And Lord willing, and we believe it, you're going to land on both feet and all things will be fine. And guess what, Brother Paul? They may have said, we're going, to be, we're going to be praying for you. It's good to have known you. God bless you. And off you go. Now you would say, Brother James, that's ridiculous. Why would they do that? Of course they wouldn't do that. Of course they would make a decision to help him out and to help him escape. Well, tragically, as Christians, so often you and I can just be as ridiculous. Sadly to say. And I say it because I have been often so ridiculous. Isn't it true that we meet missionaries? We know missionaries are out on the field, but we do not 
put the dots together and realize that if God has called them to go, likewise, he has called us to do something too. He has called us to help them on their way. We have a Christian duty to help our missionaries keep going. No, they cannot just take a leap of faith into the dark every day and we should expect everything to turn out all right. You know, sometimes we meet missionaries, and I know I've done it. I'll be the first to be honest. I've said, brother, I'll pray for you. And after all, isn't that just the polite Christian thing to do? That's what we say to each other, don't we? And let's be honest, sometimes we don't mean it. And then the Holy Spirit rebukes us, and and we realize, boy, I, I ought to mean it. And I ought to pray for them, but sometimes we don't. Or sometimes we start to, and then we stop praying. Church family, do you realize that God has a plan to use you to hold the rope for missionaries to make a great difference in their ministries and in their lives? You're a part of a team. You're part of holding the rope. As we turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians, let's see the importance of our duty. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Yes, these disciples made a great difference. You might be here this evening and you might say, well, I don't know how much of a difference I can make. I'm on this side of the world, they're on that side of the world. I suppose I can pray for them, I can give, but does it really make a difference? Well, yes, it does. The Bible says, for example, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Notice what the Apostle Paul says to these believers. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, what are the next three words? Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. Well, here we go again. The troubles for Paul didn't end in Damascus, did they? They followed him everywhere that he went. Why? Because he was just as bold in preaching the gospel. Wherever he went, there were enemies of the gospel. Described to us in verse 2 as unreasonable and wicked men. They did not have the faith because they did not want the faith. They were after Paul to stop him. The Bible tells us that he asked for prayer that the, the, the gospel, the word of the Lord, may have free course. Imagine a, an archer trying to fire an arrow at a target in the distance. The target is the soul that needs to be saved. The arrow is the gospel. And these unreasonable and wicked men were standing in the way, getting in the way of the gospel. Paul was saying, please pray that the gospel would have free course because when it hits its target, it always hits the right spot. But the enemies of the gospel were getting in the way. Paul needed these believers to pray for them. And even more so, Verse number two, don't miss this, that we may be delivered from them. Now, isn't it true that time and time again, Paul's life was in danger and time and time again, what happened? He was delivered. I believe we ought to assume that there were Christians like these Thessalonians that were praying for Paul. 
Boy, they understood how Paul was delivered. When in Thessalonica, Jason was dragged before the magistrates and they couldn't find the Apostle Paul. We remembered that this morning. But yes, it was an answer to prayer. And we need to realize this evening that our prayers make all the difference. You see, you support missionaries who are on the field in countries where there is great darkness, where there is great opposition, where there is demonic activity that cannot be put into a prayer letter, but can only be felt when you're on the field and they need your help. And by praying, do you realize that actively, spiritually, you help deliver them from the dangers at hand? Finally, brethren, pray for us. Notice verse 2, that we may be delivered. Have you ever realized that your prayers help deliver your missionaries from danger? When was the last time you prayed in faith, knowing that your prayers are making all the difference on the mission field? God is able to do the miraculous, is he not? And he has called us to pray. And knowing that our missionaries are in danger, particularly the one described this morning, Ought we not to hold the missionary rope? Amen. Ought we not to see it as our Christian duty? It's not enough just to say, God bless you, brother. Ought to think nice thoughts about them. Ought to have a look at the prayer letter from time to time. Boy, we need to know what their needs are, don't we? We need to come up with a way where we can record their needs and have them at hand and pray for those needs specifically because our prayers do make all the difference. Our missionaries need our prayers. How we need to pray for protection upon them. How we need to pray that that God would protect their marriages. You know, the Satan wants to destroy the missionaries' ministry. We have to pray for their marriages, don't we? We need to pray for their children. Look, if Satan can't get at the missionary and his wife, who is he going to target next? Going to target the kids. These things are not unknown to us, but how often do we pray as we ought to? The enemies of the gospel want to attack people in the church, want to bring false teachers into the church. You've read the scriptures. We know what to pray for, but so often we don't because we don't see it as our duty. We think missions is something that we have an option to get involved in or not. Thankfully, these disciples didn't think that, did they? They said, hey, we need to, at all costs, help Paul escape. And whatever happens, we need to make this commitment to help him on his way. It is our Christian duty. And I wonder how many missionaries you know have escaped danger and death because there were churches like yourselves praying for them when they sent out those urgent, immediate requests. Praise the Lord for praying churches who are holding the missionary rope. Would you see it as your Christian duty this evening? I hope you will. Would you see it as an investment in eternity? It certainly is. And then thirdly, as we turn back to the book of Acts, chapter number 9, one more lesson we learn from these verses 
In Acts chapter number 9, verse 25, Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Now, obviously Paul had to escape the city in a way that he would not be seen. And you can show the next slide. Thank you, brother. And so... They found a window in the wall and he escaped. Now, question, what would have happened to Paul if he was caught that night? That's right. The Jews would have, well, they were watching the gates day and night to kill him. They would have taken him into their own hands and applied their own religious law. They would have stoned him, put him to death, let alone knowing what the Romans would do. Okay. Here's a question. If these disciples got caught that night helping Paul escape also, what would have happened to them? Well, it would have been the same consequence, wouldn't it? They were accomplices in the act. They wouldn't have dealt much lightly with these disciples helping them, helping Paul escape. My point is that they made a sacrifice that night. It cost them something that night to hold the rope for Paul. And to help him escape. But they were willing to make that sacrifice even to the risk of their very lives. Do you see that? Well, we often miss these disciples, don't we? Thank God they held the rope that he escaped. But my point is for us this evening, as we close, holding the rope, we must understand, will always cost something. It requires sacrifice. We've already spoken about the sacrifice of prayer. Now, does prayer just automatically happen? Or do we need to make a time for it and set our hearts to it? We need to make a time for it. We need to, we need to allow God's spirit to lead us, yes. But we need to sacrifice that time, don't we, when we've got other things we need to do. We need to plan to pray. We need to make time to pray for our missionaries. And yes, that will always be a sacrifice. We all have priorities. We have families. Some of us have jobs. Some of us have, have uh, uh, needs in the home. We all are busy no matter what age we are. But whatever it takes, we need to be willing to sacrifice in order to hold the missionary rope. If we are not willing to sacrifice, then very simply, church family, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The sacrifice of prayer. Well, I think also about the event in the book of Matthew, chapter 17, when the Lord went up to the Mount Transfiguration and he came back down. You remember the disciples were trying to cast a, a demon out of a demon-possessed child, and they couldn't. And then the plea was put forth before the Lord, please cast out this demon. The disciples couldn't. And when the Lord did... He said to his disciples, how be it this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. Boy, there's another sacrifice. You see, as our missionaries work in, in, in countries that have not had a Christian heritage, that in fact the majority of the population worship idols. What does the Bible tells us, tell us is the power behind idols? Demonic activity. Satanic activity. So they are dwelling in the midst of a country 
where they are looking to witness to these souls, to bring them out of darkness into his marvelous light, into Christ's marvelous light. Boy, how much they need your prayers and, yes, at times, fasting in order to see souls delivered from the grip of such darkness. But if you and I are going to fast as we ought to, it will require sacrifice once again. Can you see this evening that holding the rope will cost something? Sometimes we know that there's a responsibility before us, but it's like a game of tug of war at camp. It's like there's a team holding the rope and we're just looking on. We see there's a need. We see there's a battle. We see there's a space for us to hold the rope, but we've decided to just watch and see what happens. Sometimes we're standing on the sideline as Christians. Why? Because we're not willing to make the sacrifice. And it's only when we choose to, to, to pay the price of prayer, to make the sacrifice to fast, that and only then will we hold the missionary rope. It will cost something. Praying, fasting, and then lastly, giving. Do you remember in Philippians chapter 4 when Paul said, I desire a, a fruit that may abound to your account? Philippians 4.17, Paul said this, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now imagine the giving of the Philippians. Described to us as an odor of a sweet smell, just like sweet incense wafting up before the throne of God. That's how much God is delighted by our giving. And the context is missions. Can you imagine it? But giving here is also described in verse 18 as a sacrifice. You see, it will always take sacrifice to give financially to the work of God. It always will, especially when it comes to giving to missions. Praying, fasting, giving will always cost something. But that is how you and I hold the missionary rope. You know, much has been said in the media about a new normal in our day. But I don't think we should say in our churches today that God has a new normal for missions. Amen. God has a new normal for missions where Christians no longer hold the missionary rope. No, we need to seek the old paths. Amen. And we need to do what God says he has called us to do. How shall they preach except they be sent? The goers and the senders are one team. One. And yes, at times there will be some rope burns, weren't there? When you feel the weight of being a part of missions, when suddenly your life changes, perhaps in a very dramatic way, and it will challenge you regarding the time you have to pray during the week. Or perhaps uh, you may have some health needs and, and uh, perhaps you may not feel like fasting and the body grows older and you become wearier. And yet biblical fasting makes a great difference. Perhaps financially things are not what they used to be. And you're asking the question, can I still give 
to missions. Yes, there will be rope burns, but God will give us the grace to do what he's called us to do. The greatest tragedy is when we start letting go of the rope. But let us instead make a decision to hold on tighter this year. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you for letting me share my heart with you this evening. Thank God for these disciples and their example. And may you be congratulated for the missionaries you support. But don't just know about them. Hold the rope for them. And then in eternity, you will see the fruit that will abound to your account. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of serving you as sinners saved by grace. And Lord, so often we forget about that which is eternal. We forget, Lord, to lift our eyes up and to see that which is to come. Lord, help us to value the joy it is to be a part of a team in spreading the gospel throughout the world. Lord, help us to know that our part is not insignificant, that we seem to be at a distance. Thank you, Lord, that by faith we know that you are at work and we can be a part of your work. Lord, help us to do our duty and to to remember that it will always cost something, especially when times become difficult. Lord, help us to keep the main thing the main thing. Lord, help us, as our missionaries are faithful, help us to be faithful in holding the rope till you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.